Welcome to the Girl on Top Shallon XO podcast. I'm your host, Shallon Lester, and you might know me from my YouTube channel, where I analyze celeb relationships and scandals for the lessons we can take into our own lives. But here on the podcast, I answer the best questions you submitted over the past week. Gotta love quandary? Head to my website, shallonlester.com, to get connected, and also shop my merch and take some fun quizzes. Be sure to rate and review this podcast if you like it, and follow me on Instagram at ShallonXO, and find me on YouTube for four new videos a week. Welcome back, Shalligators. Ah, you guys ready to receive the message I am? Let's get comfy, let's get relaxed, let's loosen our jaw around, wiggle the jaw, relax the inside of our ears, and just breathe. Let's breathe in through the nose and out through the mouth. And this week's mantra is, whatever I want is okay, right? So we're going to breathe in through the nose and out through the mouth. One more time. Whatever I want is okay. All right. We're going to jump in and just remind you guys, these questions are sourced from the Shalligator Reddit page. Um, two of my wonderful fan accounts started the Reddit page. It's a really positive place for you guys to come and connect, ask questions, respond to each other, share things, share funny stuff, share dark secrets. And I I lurk. Oh, I lurk it. And I read what you guys write to each other. And it, it inspires me to see this sense of community and y'all coming together is fantastic. So let's get into our first question. Reddit was posted by Lily and it's titled 21 and Afraid. She said, hi everyone. I hope everyone's having an amazing day. I just wanted to come on here and vent. I feel like the Shalligators will understand. This isn't some huge thing, but it's been affecting me every day for the past two weeks. I am scared to grow up. I recently just got this amazing job and I'm lucky enough to be able to work from home. I've been doing great. My boyfriend, who's my age, who I live with, he's got a great job. We're doing really well. My baby girl, well, my fur baby, is happy and healthy. I guess you could say there's nothing really to complain about. Yet I'm still finding myself in these moody moods. I feel down and stressed and I truly think it's because I'm afraid to grow up. I'm afraid to fail. It's not rare. I know everyone goes through this, but I've just been feeling a little hopeless with picking myself back up. If anyone has any advice, please feel free. Or if you'd just like to make a comment so I know I'm not the only one who gets in these funks, love you all, Shalligators. I picked this question because I think it's something we don't focus on enough as women. The fear of success. Now, I know Lily said, I think I'm afraid to fail. What I've realized when I, you know, getting older and certainly watching my friends date, date guys were toxic or taken or just clearly a dead end, it's not that they're afraid to fail because they are failing. Like they're hurling themselves headlong into a predestined fail of a relationship. It's that they're afraid of success. Well, who the hell is afraid of success? You probably know that. What does that mean? Well, think about it. Success means to me, and I've realized this through, and I talked about this before, like my weight struggles if I lose the amount of weight I want to, if I'm at my perfect, happy, healthy weight, if I'm fit, if I'm toned, if I feel good about myself, what am I going to blame all my problems on? What am I going to blame a negative social reaction on? How am I going to justify feeling insecure or lazy or not my best when I have everything taken care of and I'm still not 100%, million percent happy what is that going to say about me? 
right? My weight is my get out of jail free card in, in terms of emotions. It's like, that's what I can default to anytime I need sort of an emotional scapegoat. And I also realized that being happy to me, I equate it with boredom. If I'm in my ideal weight and I've got a great boyfriend and I've got my fur baby who's happy and I'm making money and I'm not like insane, over the top, incandescently happy all the time. And I have to confront the reality that maybe this is just as good as it gets. Maybe happiness isn't this insane wild ride. Maybe it's just an absence of misery. There have been a lot of studies done on happiness. I'm sure there's like a billion books. But the pervasive theory is that happiness isn't a feeling, it's a decision. And that we have to cultivate happiness purposefully every single day. Abraham Lincoln summed it up when he said, people are about as happy as they make up their minds to be. And isn't that the truth? I remember, do you guys follow the Instagram account Humans of New York? It's fascinating. They just like interview random people in New York and, and also around the world and just share little stories. And it really, it's just so interesting. And I remember this one guy, he was sitting on a park bench in New York City, this like sort of like dapper little funny man. And he was like, you know, I just was born not really being able to be depressed. I just have this optimism about me. He's like, think about it. Some people in other countries, they don't have access to clean water at all. And we have water that comes out the tap. It comes out hot and cold. That's amazing. He's like, I just think about stuff like that. And it just, how can you be unhappy? How can you be ungrateful? And that always stuck with me, the ungrateful part of it. Because this is what studies also show. Happiness walks hand in hand with gratitude. If you are focused on what you don't have, and my life is so hard, me, 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 you're not being grateful. And therefore, it's impossible to be happy. Gratitude turns what you have into enough. And so I think what this shalligator is facing is not a lack of gratitude, because she certainly sounds in touch with all of her blessings and everything. But I do think starting a gratitude journal or really making that the focus of her day and her mentation is going to help a ton where it's like, you know what? Look at all these blessings. I, this is good because what gratitude does, it infuses us with just an eyedropper full of shame. Just a little boop. Oh, I have clean water and some people don't. So maybe I should shut the fuck up. Oh, they put pickles on my sandwich. That's crazy. Some people live where there's landmines. So maybe I'll just take the pickles off and move on with my life. You know what I mean? And it's good. Like we talked recently in the Aubrey O'Day video about comparison, about how comparison is the thief of joy. Well, sometimes if we use it in a positive way to cultivate gratitude, it's the opposite. It's the giver of joy. But I also think there's some other stuff going on beneath the surface here. And like I said, fear of success. We are so much of us, so many of us here, the shalligators, we are alpha women, or we have that alpha leaning quality. And you know, we want to be better. We are women of achievement. We are women of action and acquisition. My life is defined by achievement. And I mean like career achievement. I mean like checks, honey, not like, oh, you know, I've, I have a boyfriend. Fuck, who can't get a boyfriend? Come on. So when I achieve something, I, I expect to just be on this high, this crazy high. And I've also learned, because I've achieved a lot of things, as you guys have, and I know that you feel me on this, you don't get that high. I mean, you may for a little while, but my, my best friend said it right. Christine, she's like, 
It's not the act, it's the anticipation and it's the remembrance. And she was talking about hooking up with the guy, you know? And I thought that's, she said it in high school, we were like 14. And it stuck with me forever because I'm like, that is so true. It's the journey, not necessarily the destination. Think about a road trip. There's always a faster way to get where you're going than a goddamn road trip. But you take a road trip for the journey, not for the destination, not for the destination. If you just wanted to get there, you'd fly. You'd probably take a train. You wouldn't bebop along, get your snacks and have your playlist and talk with your friends and play truth or dare and whatever it is. It's part of the, it's part of the entire experience. And achieving goals is very similar. We think I'm going to, I'm going to publish that book and I'm going to be so happy. When I think about the books I've published, I don't remember how I felt the day that they came out. I don't remember really how it was when I opened up that box and saw them for the first time. I remember writing it. When I think about, wow, that was so cool that I wrote a book. I think about the process. I think about the journey. And that made me realize that when I pursue goals, I can't put too much happiness in the outcome. I have to enjoy where I am and be present. Like, yes, the outcome is going to be great and it's going to be very satisfying, but that's not necessarily the same as this like high that I feel like I'm chasing. Why do we chase these highs and why do we sort of vilify the, I guess you could call it like the comfortableness of happiness? Well, when we're young, our life does work in highs and lows. You know, certainly when we're kids, you know, things are like amazing chicken tendies. Or like if I have to be in Target for five more minutes, I'm going to scream and poop my pants, mom. You know, like we're very, <laughs> we're very extreme. And part of that is because we don't have any personal power. We don't have control over our situation. So we're, we're just kind of being bandied about. And as we get older, we're a tween, we're a teen, and everything is so intense because everything is so new. Everything's so extreme. Our hormones are brand new and raging and every kiss is crazy. Everything is just technicolor. But as you get older, life becomes more routine, but you know, in a good way, you can predict things, you have more control. And when you have control over your life, it's inherently going to be less of a roller coaster. I mean, if you're living a healthy life, right? You're always going to feel more of that like crazy adrenaline rush when someone else is in the driver's seat. When you have control, you're going to you're going to set your own pace, you're going to set your own schedule, you're going to craft a life that truly works for you and it sounds like this is what Lily's done. She's got a good boyfriend, she's got a good dog, she's got a good job, and she's feeling the absence of those highs and lows. She's feeling adulthood. And girl, I know exactly what you mean when you say I'm scared to grow up. Honey, I'm in my 30s and I'm scared to grow up. If I got pregnant today, I'd feel like a teen mom. Like I'd have to just give it to my mother and be like, I don't know what to do with this. I'm a child. I'm a child bride. I'm not a child bride. I'm not a child bride. But I get it. And the point is that feeling is pervasive throughout your whole life. It honestly is. And so it's important that we get to the root of what's under it because it's not that you're afraid to grow up. You're afraid of the absence of this highs and lows, in, you know, to some degree. You're afraid of maybe the boredom of happiness. And like I was saying earlier, this is one thing that I have learned in two years of therapy. If I get to my ideal weight, and I'm just happy, and I don't have these crazy highs and lows, how am I going to feel? Am I going to be bored? I'm like a dog that I need something to chew on. And it can be something healthy, like a rawhide chewy toy or a book deal or whatever, or it can chew through a fucking wall. If you leave me alone with nothing to chew on, I will create my own problems. And so I always need to have a goal. 
Even if everything else is great in my life, I need to have something that I'm chasing or pursuing. The end result of that goal is actually, like I said, kind of irrelevant. I just need something to chew on. Did you guys watch my video at Christmas? Like how to deal with being depressed at Christmas? When I did it, because I was just like, like Lily said, like these moody moods, I was just sort of like, like drifting around my mom's house. Like, I'm in a mood. And I did the video and I was trying to reason out with myself, like as I film, because videos are sort of like, you know, real time therapy for me. It was like, why am I feeling like this? And I had not one legitimate reason. Not one. The best I could come up with was... I wish I weighed about five pounds less. That's it. I had money. I had friends. Things were going well in my dating life. Things were going well with my family. I was out in California. It was beautiful. Like I had not one thing to complain about. And yet I was moody mood. And I realized I don't need something to complain about to be unhappy. I need an absence of a goal. I need an absence of an existential chew toy. I needed something to do with my time. I needed something to do with my energy because energy can be very positive and forward moving or can be negative, but it's not going anywhere. It's it, how do physics work? You can't create or destroy energy. No, you can't create mass. I don't know. I got to I got to see. All right. You know what I'm saying, though? This energy exists so we can channel it in a positive way. Or we can let it just like free float and spiral and wave out of control. And it turns into anxiety. It turns into just general malaise. And then we let the tail wag the dog. I don't feel very good about myself. Or, you know, I just, I have this mood. What can I assign as the cause? That's not how it should go. We should be like, this thing is causing me misery. Let's fix this thing. We can't work in reverse. Hmm, I feel some sort of way. So let me pick my boyfriend you're the problem Vince you're the problem I'm just gonna I'm gonna pick a fight and maybe I'm just gonna break up with you maybe I'm gonna start cheating let's go on tinder when really we just need a project my ex-boyfriend Max you guys you guys know he used to call this feeling dog projects because he's like you know you wake up in the morning and you're like looking for your dog and you open a closet and they're like can i help you like they're in the middle of a project they're rearranging the closet they're rearranging their bed they're chewing up your shoe they've got an agenda and he would he would get like in these spirals as we all do he would need he'd be like i need a dog project like i need something to occupy myself with just whether it's creating a Pinterest board for our next vacation or redecorating the house or souping up my car, whatever it might be, he just needed something to to galvanize the energy. And that's always stuck with me. And I always thought that was really wise. So now that's kind of what I refer to it as dog projects. I need dog projects and they don't have to be, they, like I said, they don't have to be something that adds up to much of anything. You know, you're like, I'm going to refinish this chair that I bought at a yard sale. Okay, you don't have to sell it on Etsy. It doesn't have to become a business. It just is a thing that you do to occupy your time. And when you start doing that, you get in the rhythm of a dog project. You get in the rhythm of using your energy for something positive. And then when you finish one dog project, I refinish this chair, you're going to find something else. I'm going to bake my way through Julia Child's cookbook. Okay, I'm going to go ice skating every single day until I can do an axle. All right, and then we're going to move on and on and on. It's very important that we set our energy and our intention with purpose. But one of you guys responded to this discussion and it was, I mean, 
wise as fuck. I read your guys' response. I lurk this page. Oh, I lurk it. And the responses you guys give to each other are so wise. And it, I, I feel like anxious because I'm like, y'all are going to put me out of business. Nobody needs me. But then I feel so proud. I'm like, you guys don't even need me. I, I've always said that my ultimate goal with this career is to become obsolete. That in another generation, I'll be like, we know it. We know that no one's going to need any of this advice. So let me read to you what a shalligator commented back. Because again, super wise. She said, I also deal with this. And there's some things I remind myself that help me out. Number one. It is normal that this scares me. And I haven't been scared of things in the past. And then I found out that they weren't a big deal or I was able to deal with them pretty well, actually. This is super true. And you guys submit questions to me <clears throat> and you're like, I'm, I'm afraid to get hurt. I had a really bad relationship. I had a terrible breakup. And I'm like, yeah, exactly. And you're still here. Girl, you're a survivor. That's not a victim story. That's a champion story. And when we look at like things that scare us that bubble up now and change, it's like, oh, I don't want to change. I fucking hate change. I hate it. I feel all humans do. You know, I don't I don't think healthy people love constant change. It's called chaos tolerance. And I have a high chaos tolerance in some ways. Like when I travel, very high chaos tolerance. When I'm at home, no, I no, I like a degree of stability and routine. We all do. But I remind myself I've rolled with the punches in every aspect of my life all the time. How do I know that? Still here, baby. Still making money. Still dating. I still got friends. My family still likes me. So clearly, whatever came against me, that weapon formed against me did not prosper. She goes on. Number two, I am so used to worrying about things and having to deal with problems that when we have none to look for, we're addicted to worrying and it's very hard to relax, actually. Our brains are constantly looking for trouble somewhere. Oh, so true. Dog project. Number three. I'll worry about it later. I can't really do anything about it right now. So when I have an actual problem to solve, I'll deal with it then. And I'll be capable of doing so because I have in the past. Remember things you've gone through and problems you have and can solve. Number four, some theorize we actually are more afraid of success than we are of failure. Mm -hmm. Is this what's going on? What and or why the possibilities of success, getting a promotion, marrying your boyfriend, scare you? Maybe you don't actually want to work there. Maybe you feel like you're trapped in your relationship with your boyfriend. This is just a random example, not implying it's true, but think about it. Number five, sometimes it's just that change troubles us and you're now in a new situation, even though it's a good one. And maybe this is just the typical human resistance to things that are not usual. And it takes us a bit to adjust to things, even if they are great. Number six, give yourself a pat on the back for landing the job. Give yourself a pat on the back for surviving and existing and doing so great. Number seven, the corona situation is taking a toll on our mental health more than we would like to admit. So being unsure of the future and anxious about it is also normal. I love this. God, do you want to do you want to just take my channel over? If I go on vacation, I will get you a blonde wig and I will get you a tiny cowboy dog and you can be Shallon. Perfect. But this is all so true. I think especially the corona situation, you know, we're coming out of it and things are getting back to normal, but not Really? It's almost harder now because we don't know what the future holds. And at least when we were in quarantine, we thought, okay, like by June 3rd, this is all going to be over. Everything's going to go back to normal. We had some sort of assurance, false though it, it may be, but we had latched onto it as the light at the end of the tunnel. Now we're like, ah, I don't know. I mean, is this how we're going to live forever? Am I going to have to have a mask on at Applebee's until the day I die? And 
am I going to be like doing distance learning and this bullshit and for the next four years of college? It's really, really tough to deal with. Really tough. And that anxiety manifests on the micro also. And it's normal to be like, okay, well, if I don't know where the world is going, if this foundation that I had previously built my life on, I can, basic things, I have freedom of movement. I have freedom of expression. I have freedom of health. You know, just these basic freedoms that we not took for granted, but like I said, built our foundation on. If we don't have that, it's very hard to find that peace and stability in our private life. It's natural that that anxiety is going to carry over. Where is my life going? And if I can't even like go to Target when I want to, how, what, how can I make assurances about my relationship? Well, what's that even going to look like? Do I want this job if I can't go into an office? You know, there's a lot going on. So like this Shalligator said in her response, pat yourself on the back. All of you, we are all existing and surviving right now. This year is a fucking do-over. It's a disaster. Nobody has to turn a year older. This is my edict. And we can just try to get through it. But as we do, always pause and check in with yourself. What am I feeling? What's the root of this? I'm going to try something to ameliorate it. Does this work? Hmm, no. Okay. We're going to go back to the drawing board. It's all just data. It's all just bullet points. It's all just moving us from one direction. Oh, maybe to the other back again. It's correction and overcorrection and microcorrection and macrocorrection until we find that alignment. And that alignment will only emerge and only illuminate itself when we give it the mental and emotional room to do so. Quiet time, meditation, reading, walks in nature, Notice the theme, being alone. Give your intuition the time and the space to be heard, and she will be. Up next, we have a situation that so many of us have found ourselves in, where we kind of flirt ourselves into a corner, but not in a good way. So the title of this post was, Very Sexual Flirting Slash Texting, How to Change the Narrative and Become a Bit More Girlfriend Material. So Avalanche said, so basically I jokingly started a sexual topic with this guy I like and we were flirting. And now every day he tells me what he wants to do with me and sends me sensual pictures. I'm going with the flow and I'm out of town. So I have no idea if he wants to actually follow through. But in any case, I'm afraid we're just going to end up kind of just hooking up. I want him to court me and potentially treat me as girlfriend material. So ugh, what do I do now? Also, I mean, I think it's going to be kind of weird if I suddenly demand commitment. Hell, I don't even know if I want commitment myself. I just want to try to see if it can be serious. Give it a shot. Be a high value woman. Shalligators, I'd be grateful for some advice. This is, oh, like I said, we've been in this situation. I mean, at least I have. Because we are so multidimensional as women, we are the good girl and the slut. We are the mom and the daughter. Like we are so many different things. There's not just one aspect of our personality that's the entirety of our personality. And so it's difficult for us to convey that to a guy in a compartmentalized way because guys are dumb and they are very black and white. Well, she's a slut or she's the good girl. She's the one I take home her mom. She's the one that I fuck. You know, it's hard for them to see that we have not even duality, triality, quintupleality, all the alities. And so if we get started on this like sexual flirty thing, even though, yeah, I mean, that's part of who we are. We're like a, we're a hot ass bitch and we like sex and whatever. It's very easy for guys to be like, oh, well, that's just all of who she is and get kind of put in that category. I think what's important to keep in mind here is exactly what she said. Do I even want 
commitment myself. I've said this before. I have spent the majority of my romantic career, as I call it, being like a dog chasing a car. What would I do if I actually caught it? What what do I want these guys for? I very rarely, if ever, throughout my life would stop and say, what would I do if this guy was all in? Would I be like, yikes. Would I want to spend all my time with him? Do I want to introduce him to my family? Do I want to marry him, have kids with him? Like, what am I doing? I would be so focused on, does he like me? I literally never stop to ask myself, do I like him? Do I even like him? You know, sometimes when you're going through like a financial low period and you're like, I can't spend money. I don't have money to spend. I'm not going to do anything. And you go to the mall and it's like everything in every window is a thing that you have to have. Even if it's hideous, this cheap ass forever 21 piece of polyester garbage, you're like, if I don't have it, this shirt that says first coffee, I'm going to kill myself. It's because you can't have it that you fetishize it. If you had all the money in the world, that would be the last thing you'd buy, right? That wouldn't even catch your eye. We need to start looking at relationships like this. If I could have anything in the world, do I want you? If let's say every guy I meet is dying to wife me up, I need to go into it with that attitude. I need to assume that every guy I meet is dying to be my boyfriend because then you know what I get? Choosy. I suddenly get real choosy and real granular about what they bring to the table. Okay, you're obsessed with me. Yeah, obviously, everybody is. That's just normal. But what do you bring to me? Why should I choose you out of every suitor in the land? Because they all are my suitors. Suddenly, it gives us a sense of power. It gives us a sense of agency and self-possession. And it takes away that desperate feeling because I can feel... I'm not going to say that she's desperate, like a current undercurrent of desperation here in this question. I don't think that. But it's a feeling of powerlessness. It's, oh my God, this is a runaway train. I have lost positive control of the situation. I don't know what to do. Going with the flow, in my experience, is one of the worst things we can do as women. I don't go with the flow. I am the flow. I don't ride the tide. I am the tide. I am the thing that shapes worlds. Not a guy. He can go with my flow. I have a lot of masculine energy, but I have a lot of submissive feminine energy too. Not that those are one and the same, but you know what I mean. And I have to remember that I am, I'm setting the pace here. I'm the woman. I'm the one with the vagina. That's what they're all after. They're after the vag. I got one. I actually, I just own one. And you guys probably do too. You probably just have one right now. So why are we acting like they're giving something to us? No, man. No. We got to flip the script. And in this case, I'm not going to lie to you, it's not that easy. If a guy is a shallow one-dimensional dude, he's going to put you in a category and it's going to be very difficult to get out. But like you yourself said, do you want a relationship with this person? And that was my first reaction when I read this. Does she want to date a guy who's like this? Who he himself might be shallow and one-dimensional. And therefore, that's how he sees women. He cannot possibly conceptualize duality and granularity in our personalities because he himself does not possess the same. Beneath the surface, there's just more surface. I am also extremely wary of dudes who come on hot and heavy over text. Like, I'm going to do this to you. I'm going to do that to you. By and large, they can't. They can't back it up. They can't. I remember this one guy, Harrison. I'll just say his name. I don't really fucking care. He, like... 
we were supposed to do this like video series together and like we were going to be like making out in it and he was blowing up my phone with nasty messages i mean you know good nasty and we like finally went out and he we went to the movies and he sat there like a hostage he didn't make eye contact he didn't touch me he was terrified of me and he gave me some weird peck on the cheek like afterwards and like literally ran into a cab and i was like what just happened what was this it's like i'm gonna bend you over i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do that i'm gonna fuck you in the movie theater no dude you're not even gonna make eye contact and it's like he he flirted himself into a corner and he had no idea how to execute what he was saying so he just completely froze up and shit the bed basically so that really showed me that sometimes dudes are all talk. And isn't that so annoying? Excuse me if I demand fuck boys actually fuck. I mean, if you can't do that, what, what exactly are you doing here, my dude? Connor, go home. What are you doing? So this guy could be just a shallow sort of pigeon person. And, you know, I mean, if he is, it's like, why do you want to waste your time trying to change this dude's mind? It goes back to that dog chasing a car thing. And when I look back on that, it's, I was doing that for two reasons. Because I needed an emotional getaway car. I'm sorry, there's so many car metaphors in this podcast. I needed to be, like, delivered from something in my life. Distracted, delivered, redeemed, whatever. I just, I didn't care who showed up to drive that getaway car. Because that's how getaway cars are. I don't fucking care who's driving. You got a lead foot, let's go. Floor it. Take me away from wherever I'm at. So I just needed any man. I was like casting the role for Shallon's boyfriend. Or it was my ego. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. He doesn't like me? What? I've done a video on how ugly guys will neg you and then you become obsessed with them. Not because they broke your heart, but because they broke your ego. You assumed this was going to go one way. I mean... <laughs> It's Ed Sheeran. He's not cute, but oh, I just got dumped, so okay. And then Ed Sheeran negs you, and you're like, I'm so sorry. I just hallucinated. Did you say you didn't want to hook up with me anymore? That's interesting. And your ego is caught up in it. And your heart heals a lot faster than your ego. Because the needs of your heart are much more shallow. I mean, in a good way. They're, they're not as bottomless as the ego needs we have. And so we get ourselves in these situations and we don't realize, we think it's our heart, but it is our ego. So that's what this could be. It could also be you're mad at yourself. I went with the flow. So when we say I'm, I'm going with the flow, whenever I've said that about a situation, it means I'm either unaware of my needs and my boundaries or I am aware, but I'm putting them on the back burner to please other people. And no matter how you slice it, that's going to lead to a very unsatisfying outcome. You're not going to feel good about yourself. You're going to feel inauthentic, used, battered around like a kite in a hurricane. And then, yeah, you are going to overcorrect and be like, I not only need this guy to speak to me in a normal way, I need him to marry me. I need to prove that this was all part of some grand plan because this did not start as a grand plan. It started as me being a wuss and me having no boundaries and no standards. And that's not going to make you feel very good in the long term, right? And it's easier, instead of trying to do that great overcorrection and turn the tide, to upfront decide, how do I want a man to speak to me? What do I want out of this situation? Do I find him interesting? What if 
I was locked in quarantine with him. I think quarantine has been like, you know, and obviously a nightmare, but in some ways there's some silver linings. It's, it makes you realize it's like, who, who would I want to be my lockdown buddy? Who could I tolerate? Who's going to bring stuff to the table? Whether that's like conversation or like elk meat in case the food supply chain breaks down. I think a lot about elk meat living out here in Montana. So ask yourself before we get into these situations, what am I looking for? And we as women don't do that enough. Do you know why? Because society tells us we don't have that luxury. That is a luxury good. You don't get to decide what you want. You're going to take whatever I give you, bitch. You're going to take the scraps and you're going to be thankful for it. We have a beggar's mentality. We have a competitive beggar's mentality, right? And when we stop that, when we start reframing every man on earth as being our potential suitor who's in love with us, we flip that narrative. We're not a beggar anymore. We're a princess. We're in a tower looking down on all these knights. Being like, hmm, who's got the shiniest armor? Who's got the longest spear? Who do I want? What is good for me? But one of you guys came up with some very I, good advice. I mean, I think it's good. Try it and find out. So Pazalava, like pizza lover, Pazalava, said, I recommend you go with the, I actually don't want a relationship with you strategy. We vibe more as friends type situation and actually say this to him. Like for a while, be out of reach. So he thinks that you went out with a guy and then be like, oh, sorry, I went out with a friend, <sighs> dot, dot, dot. And if he asks about who this friend is, be in a flirty way like, mm, that's a private matter, wink emoji. Send mixed signals. One day talk about something bland. Other times flirt. Sometimes you reply fast. Other times you take hours. Be inconsistent. Try not to bring up sexual talks because, hey, you guys are friends. Just be hot and cold. Never say you want a relationship. Let him bring that up. Girl, yes. I'm, I'm going to try this. When we talk about why men love bitches, we know that the central theme of that book is a woman who is a mental challenge. And like we have said many times, we define mental challenge as someone who's like smart and interesting and well-read, blah, blah, blah. Nope, that's not how guys define it. They define it as a woman who kind of keeps them off kilter. I don't know if I have 100% of my hooks in her. I don't know what she's going to say next. I don't know when I'm going to see her. I really have to hustle. It's like that Justin Bieber, Cody Simpson song. I don't work hard when it's easy. I put in work when it's hard. You know what? I don't. I don't like to work hard for men. You know what I fight for? Say it with me. Money and mozzarella sticks. I don't want, like, I don't want that kind of mental challenge in the dudes I date. But guys do, and this is a fundamental difference between the sexes, and we have to recognize that. We don't have to understand it. We don't have to empathize with it and be like, me too. But we just have to be like, all right, dude, this is how they work. They're simply a different animal in this category, so I'm going to throw at them a ton of inconsistencies. So I'm dating someone. I'm, like, burying this in the podcast so that hopefully, like, it won't become a big thing and hopefully you won't know that I'm talking about it. But... I was like, why do you like me, baby? And he's like, I like you because you're not like other girls and you don't play games. And I wanted to say, honey, I played almost nothing but games with you. <laughs> but the thing is, I played them so well, he didn't know that's what it was. And if I'm being honest, I really wasn't playing. He's like, I just don't know when I'm going to see you and I know you're busy. And, and that's true. And I've said before, I can't play hard to get. I have to be hard to get. So I have to purposely create a schedule like to, so that I don't 
become too available for a guy. I'm like, no, I, I got to put this Pilates class on the calendar and I got to walk the dog and I got to make a video. And like, I actually would love to see you tonight. You know, I think this in my mind. I would love to do a booty call right now, but I can't. I got to be up early. I'm tired. I'm worn out. Sorry. You sort of have to like trick yourself into being good at this. And that's how I did with my boyfriend person now. And I mean, he was so consistent and chasing me, chasing me, chasing me. And like, I wasn't trying to be aloof, but I have created a life that simply casts that persona, that makes that aloofness a reality so that it isn't a game. So I don't even know where I was going with that. I just wanted to tell you. So the long and the, the short of this, analyze what you want out of a situation before you get into it. Set your boundaries and your deal breakers. I don't want dick pics. I don't want someone telling me how hard they're going to fuck me if we haven't even been out on a date yet. And if someone does bring that to my table, I shut it down. Even though part of me might enjoy it. You know, it's like, it's fun. Ooh, oh my gosh, this is exciting. What's it going to do to me? But I'm like, you know what? If what I am after is a relationship, first of all, if this is how he's acting, he probably isn't. Like he just, you know, like I said, beneath the surface, just more surface. But I'm going to wind that back. I'm not going to respond to that. Or I'll say like, hey, like, you know, I'm all for sexting, but maybe let's get to know each other a little bit first. If a guy balks at that, if he gaslights you and says you're a prude or whatever, you dodged a bullet. What a blessing. What a blessing that someone shows their ass like that. Thank you for showing me who you are. Oh my God, thank you. Before I had sex with you, before I got in deep, before I met your family, yes, you're a douche. Awesome. So it's good to let these things play out, but you can't let them play out until you know where you're coming from and what your needs are. Well, that's it for this episode of Girl on Top. Thanks for being part of the Shalantourage. If you have a love question you need some help with, find me on my website, shallonlester.com, and be sure to connect with me on Instagram at shallonxo and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Stay sweet, stay savage. Stay savage.